Amen. I welcome you today to a brand new series, Set Free. This is what Jesus has intended for us, and I believe we're going to experience much of what uh, he means in being free in this series. I'm excited for a new day and a new path. I had the privilege years ago of going to prison. Don't think of that as a privilege, but for me it was because I got to go into the Ellis County Jail to meet with a man who had chosen to follow Christ and he wanted to be baptized. And so um, I got to go in. It was a very unusual experience of seeing people there inside the prison. That's not something I'd had the experience of ever. But to walk in, got to meet with this uh, young man and to see that he had prayed to receive Christ and he was baptized there that day. And then I had the privilege of walking out of that, priv- of that prison, that jail. He had to stay. He would eventually be free and he would eventually serve the Lord. But to walk out of a place of prison is a very freeing feeling, right? To know I, am, I don't have to stay here. I'm not bound here. I'm not held here. And it gave me a compassion for those within an understanding of what it means to be held in a prison. And though that would seem like an unusual experience for most of us, I think we all know in reality what it's like to be held captive, held prison in a prison because we know what it's like when guilt and shame and personal condemnation weigh on us. Whenever our guilt separates us from everyone else and we run in isolation and hide and we carry all of that like a weight, that is being captive. And we all know what that experience is like. That's why we've come to Jesus Christ to be free from those things. And that weight is an unbearable weight. And Jesus saw us while we were covered over in our guilt, in our shame, in our own condemnation, under the weight of rejection, Jesus saw us in that. And he did not come to us to give us more guilt and more shame and more condemnation. Instead, he came loving us to set us free from that. He came and on the cross, he embodied all of our guilt and shame. He embodied the pain. He embodied the rejection. And there he took it all and died with it so that it might be removed from us. And he says to us, he invites us to come and receive that by faith. Not by now. Come and do some religious good things and I might help you be free from that. That is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is come and receive what Jesus has done and be free from your guilt and your shame. Amen? And so he died on the cross taking that and when the enemy thought he had perfected his plan, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus walked out of that grave and Jesus proved he is more powerful and victorious over death, hell, the grave, even your sin, even all of your prison that you might walk in. He made a way for us to be free. Now, this is why the Bible uses the term, sorry, get this adjusted. I know you can hear it scratching on my beard going, 
This is why the Bible uses terms like salvation and being set free and being saved. Those are terms that describe our new existence in him. I have been saved, rescued out of the prison that I was in. The funny thing is, when you've been around church a long time, you hear those words saved and salvation, and you start thinking of them primarily as just religious words, as just churchy words. So much so that we don't even use those words outside of church context. We think of them inside the church. And so that word begins to not have real life meaning. It just has church meaning. Saved becomes one of those church topics. It doesn't always apply to life outside of that. And so sadly, what you find is people then becoming religious on Sundays and not on the rest of the week. They don't talk about on Monday what their life was on Sunday. And they don't even know what it's like to be saved from the realities of life. They don't think about being saved from things like fear and anxiety and depression and greed and insecurity and worry. They think, well, those are just life things that has nothing to do with me being saved. Interesting, right? How we all of a sudden disassociate those two things from one another. And that happens in our life. It happens when we say words like salvation and saved and we hear them a lot and we say them and we associate with them only with church. We start to lose the meaning of the word itself. And that happens in life. There are some words that people say today that you think, where in the world did that word even come from? And what in the world does that word even mean? We say those in, maybe you say some of these words. Does anybody in the room say, cattywampus? Like, what in the world does that even mean? Say things like, I'm bumfuzzled. What does that even mean? Say things like, I'm fixin' to. Uh-huh, now we all say that one, don't we? Fixin' to. Like, try writing that out and writing a definition to that. It's awkward. We understand in the South what it means. Or, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to come right back. I'm going to go in the other room, right? We in the South understand all of that. Unthaw. Anybody say unthaw? I'm going to get that out of the freezer and let it unthaw. You can't unthaw it. If you just got it out of the freezer, unthaw would be to freeze it, right? Are you tracking with me here? We say things that we sometimes forget or even don't even know the meaning of. Things like, I have half a mind to... Well, half a mind, really? Or I'm plum tuckered out, right? What in the world? What does a plum have to do with tucker and being tired? I don't understand all of this. Starving to death. Yes, starving to death. Really, you're that close to death, really. Or saying I'm dressed to the nines. I have no clue what in the world that even means, right? Or three sheets to the wind, I know how we use that. I have no idea why there are three sheets and why they're blowing in the wind. I don't understand any of this stuff. Toe the line, right? Like, what in the world? Close but no cigar. 
I didn't know that's what I was competing for. You know, I, I don't understand this stuff. Let the cat out of the bag. Why was he in a bag? And what's the purpose of this? If he comes out of that bag, I don't want to be near him because I know what he's probably thinking. Or even cut to the chase. Like, what in the world? Why do we say these things? Why do we say things that we don't even know what they mean? I'm afraid that has happened to us as Christians. We say things and not even realize what they mean. Even when it comes to saying, I have been saved or I have been set free. So our goal during this series has been, or will be, to understand what does it mean to say I am set free? It's one of those we'll say in this series, have been said this morning quite a bit already. It's one of those things that we, we say, we like it, we amen it, and that's all good, but what in the world does it really mean to be set free? And does it have to do with only on Sunday or is there something in the week I'm actually set free from? Now, as you heard Emily and Lisa both talk about this morning, God absolutely loves you and me more than we fully realize. And that love is shown to us so that it might set us free so that we might walk in the security of that, the boldness of that, confidence of that, humility of that. This is the Father's plan for us. He desires for us to be more free than perhaps we even imagined this morning. If Jesus came and gave his life and rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, gave us his word, gave us his spirit, my guess is, from what I read in scripture, it doesn't have to even be a guess, my confidence is, He has exceedingly great and precious promises for us that he has given to us and he intends for us to walk free. So it is therefore likely and possible that there are some things in our life that he wants to set us free from today. Every one of us, that every one of us can believe and know there are some things in my life right now I might not even realize that I am in bondage to, enslaved to, affected by, and that he wants to set me free. Our message today as we start our series is set free from more than you know. So if you have your Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 8. We're going to follow Jesus and some things he has to say about freedom and what he says about being set free from more than you perhaps even know. Can we all agree this morning that that is true? That he has come to set us free from more than we may know today. That's really going to be important as we move along today. In fact, that's really the point of our message today. It's for us to all move to this place of saying, all right, God, I do believe you and your word and that you really want to set me free from more than I even know right now. So John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36 is where we are today. Jesus is in his ministry time. He's, He's traveling with the disciples. Miracles are happening People are truly being set free. Jesus is ministering in a day and time where there is already a way of faith that is happening. There is a belief system in place. And Jesus comes on the scene with a little bit different message than what is the common thought about faith in that day. And as a result, there's going to be a little bit of sting when Jesus talks. 
because the religious system of the day tended to be more about following the rules. It was all about making sure you were doing everything you were supposed to. It was about checking religious boxes. It was about a religion that was very condemning and very heavy and very empty. It was about people who lived segmented lives. They had their Christian or church or faith world, and then they had the rest of their world. And it was not uncommon to find even religious leaders in that day who lived one way around the synagogue, but away from the synagogue lived something very, very different. They knew that, others saw it, and they were kind of okay with all of this. They accepted the fact, this is just what you do. One way when you're around the faith environments, another way when you're not around the faith environments. And here's the deal. If you have to live different in your faith environment than you do in your real environment that you walk in day after day, you are not free. If you have to hide part of who you are in one group or the other group, you are not free. If you're having to live with your faith weighing you down and you can't wait to get out of that environment so that you can relax, you are not free. If you have to believe that you need to be isolated, that you need to be insecure and uncertain and you're withdrawn and you're depressed because of your faith, you are not free. If you're controlled by your anger and your lust and your greed, you are not free. If you're controlled by the very things that are keeping you suppressed and oppressed and depressed, then you are not free. And Jesus has a conversation with some people who were not free and they didn't even realize it. So again, let me just put this all out on the table here. Can we all agree that we might not be free as we thought? That there might be some areas in our life that he's come to set us free in and we don't fully understand the scope of that yet. Can we all be on the same page about this? All right, let's follow what happens here in John chapter eight. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So let's just be clear here. Here's some Jewish people who have known the religious system of the day. They have known that environment that I talked about of keeping the rules, performance-oriented, They knew that, but they had now come to believe in Jesus. They believed him, but they're new into this faith. So these are Christians Jesus is talking to. They're Jesus followers, but they're new into all of this. And he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. It was real important in that culture to make sure you knew who you were following. Who was it that was your discipler? And Jesus said, here's how you'll know if you're my disciple. You will abide in, you will live in my word. You will take it with you wherever you go. You will abide in it. You won't just be a 
a synagogue faither, a church only faither, you'll be abiding in my word. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, you just abide in my word. You live in it day in, day out. And then he says, and then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, if you've been around church any amount of time, you've heard this verse. Now, I'm gonna do a little bit of verb discussion here. I was never a giant English fan in high school and college. Not my favorite classes. But after studying the scriptures some, I found that in the original languages of the New Testament, the Greek, they were very careful in their verb uses. And there's so much there when you look into the meaning of them. So for example, you've got some verb phrases in here. Shall know, you shall know, you shall go through the action of knowing. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Just a real short English lesson today. I don't mean for this to sound like school today, but it's important. Because you might think you shall have a one-time experience of knowing the truth and you shall have the one-time experience of being made free. You might think that that's what this says. And a lot of people interpret it that way. You shall come to the point of knowing Jesus for salvation and then you shall be free. That's nice. That's pretty. But that's not what's happening here. Jesus used verbs and the New Testament uses verbs for us that help us understand what it really is saying is you shall go through the process of knowing truth and truth and more truth. You keep doing it. You keep knowing more truth and when you do you shall keep becoming more and more free. Ah, that's different. That's different than just one-stop shop. Came to know Jesus, free, done. I guess I'll go on with the rest of my life now. No, Jesus said, here, if you're following me, you'll abide in my word, and you will know truth, become free. Know more truth, become more free. Keep knowing truth, become even more free. So it's a process. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're becoming more and more and more free. That's why, for no reason, you and I ought to be looking like we used to look five years ago. Two years ago, we shouldn't be in the same place we were in our faith when we first got saved. We ought to be growing up. If somebody came into the room that was 30 years old today and they were still wearing a bonnet and a diaper, we'd be a little concerned. It'd just be a little awkward because when you're an adult, you shouldn't be acting like a baby. Hello? And the same is true in the faith. There ought to be this knowing and growing and knowing and growing and becoming more free and more free. And Jesus says, this is how my followers will look. They will become more and more free. Now, look what happens here because they answer him in verse 33 and it says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. In other words, what is this thing you're talking about free, becoming free? We're not in bondage. We come from Abraham. We, are the, we come from the father of faith. We believe. We know the word. We know the law. We're people of faith. How dare you suggest that we're not free? There are many Christians like that. 
They might have been in the mirror this morning when you looked in the mirror. Hello? Because sometimes you start having conversations with people about God has more for you. He has more for your faith. He wants you to grow. People what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that I'm, I'm not free? And that's what these folks do here. They're new in the faith. They're new to this whole thing. And they say, wait a minute. In fact, in the next part of 33, it says that they said to him, how can you say you will be made free? How can you suggest that? How can you say I'm not free? Don't you know who we are? Don't you know what we've done? We're not slaves anymore. We're not in bondage to anything. We believe. We're free. They did not acknowledge that there was more that Jesus had come to free them from. They had a disconnect. They thought, we know God, therefore, that's all we need. I know that life is filled with all kind of stuff, but this has nothing to do with this. Mm. They were kind of young in their faith still. They hadn't realized that Jesus was saying, lift him up and live him out. They hadn't realized that he was saying, abide in my word, live this all the way out. And so they kept this separated from that. That happens sometimes. In fact, some people view Christianity in that way. They think in terms of needing another marker. They think in terms of faith as being this thing that is over here. And then they say, I know there are issues in my life. I know I've got struggles. I know I've got conflicts. I know my relationships are not great. I know I've got these financial things. I know I've got this habit thing. But they say, this has nothing to do with this. Let's just keep these things separate. And so those folks, they either one, want nothing to do with Christianity or faith, and if they do, they'd rather come into a church where they just talk about this, but don't talk about this. Because God forbid that anyone would think that this could resolve this. Or that there may be some things that need to change over here so that they can have all of this. And they get a little offended along the way because they don't want these two worlds to touch. I'm guessing by the fact that you've chosen to come to Vertical this morning, that's not your situation. Because we put it all together here, right? We're not separating the two. Jesus didn't separate it and neither are we. I know there's some churches today that don't like to talk about the issues that are going on around us, but Jesus clearly talked about the issues that were going on in his day. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't hold anything back. In fact, that is what caused people to be offended and that's what caused him to be crucified and go to the cross. Amen? So some people like to separate the two. But then there's some people that say, no, I'm okay talking about faith and issues. I'm okay with that because Lord knows I need some prayer for my issues. I need some worship while I'm going through my issues. I need some people I can talk to about my issues. But please don't suggest that maybe my 
lack of faith is causing my issues. Ooh, now we're getting up close to people. You see, because we like it if we just keep these things. We can discuss them, but this comes out more like, oh, pray for me. Oh, I really need to get with some other people and just talk about my struggles. Oh, I really could use some worship this morning to help me end my struggles. All of that is good. All of that is necessary. But if that is as far as you track in the whole thing, you're never going to let faith come into the issue. You're never going to release and repent of some issues and grow your faith. This is still keeping it just a little bit separate, a little bit away from one another. Talk about it. Pray for me in it. But I don't want to really make any changes in it. Mm. And Jesus had a little bit different way of dealing with all of this. He wanted people to abide in his word. So he said, here is really what it more ought to look like. It ought to look like faith becomes this all-consuming part of our life to deal with the issues in our life. Where faith gives me the ability to not just cope in it, make it through it, but actually become an overcomer over it. To actually become one who finds freedom from it. To find healing from my past traumas. To find forgiveness for my past failures and to be free from it, to be removed from it and not carry it around like a weight on my life. That's not being free. So I want to, I want to put on the screen this morning, some issues. But before we do, let me just say this. This is just some, some issues that I think everybody in the room can relate with. And I want to say up front, this list you're about to see is what Jesus came to free us from. You were not meant to carry these. Here they are. Morbid introspection. If you want to take a photo of this rather than try to write them all down, you're welcome to. Morbid introspection, where you get into this head game, where you just replay your life, you replay your past, you search down inside looking for just how terrible you are. You're all the time introspective and just beating yourself up. That is what Jesus came to free us from. Racing thoughts where your mind just won't shut off, especially when you're alone or especially when you put your head on your pillow at night. Thoughts that just keep going and going and going and going. Jesus came to free us from that. Amen? Ongoing depression. I get it. Most of these on the board, by the way, I've walked in, so I think I have some authority to say some of these things, okay? There are times that life 
is painful. There are times you go through loss. There are times that you grieve. But living a lifestyle of depression is not what Jesus came for you to just stay in. He came to set you free from that. Living in constant anxiety is not what God intends for your life. And this is the part where a lot of people start getting to this point and they say, that kind of stuff has nothing to do with this kind of stuff. Now, I don't mind having a little bit of this stuff talked about with this stuff because pray for me in my anxiety. But the idea of my faith resolving my anxiety, hold on now. Hold on now. Because you're telling me something different than my person with a certificate on his wall is telling me about what I've got. Unhealthy perfectionism. I like things being good and right and perfect, but there's an unhealthy perfectionism. Jesus came to free us from that. Resentment and bitterness toward those who've hurt us. Living in past trauma. Continually second-guessing yourself. Just, oh, I wonder if I said the right thing. Oh, I probably didn't do the right thing. I should not have done that. I wonder if, I wonder if that five years ago when I said that, if that was the right thing, if that was really, should I have done that at all? I wonder if because I did this, this. That stuff is paralyzing. That stuff is a weight. That stuff is what Jesus came to free you from. Unhealthy habits, whether we're talking about porn and alcohol, or whether we're talking about vaping, or whether we're talking about even... Depressive, anxious thoughts, or whether we're talking about social media, or whether we're talking about food. Hello. We're going to get all up in there, okay? That is not how Jesus intends for us to live controlled by any of these things. Insecurity in our life is not a byproduct of Christianity. It ought to be something that we are set free from. Racing thoughts, replaying past failures, an identity of shame, just continually seeing yourself as shameful, as broken, as in, unable to ever know life in peace and joy. That is not what Jesus came for, for you to live in that. Endless comparison with other people's. Well, I wish, I wish I had what they had. Well, if I was only like she was or he was or like them, that is what Jesus came to set you free from. Walking in continual defeat. You aren't meant to live in continual defeat of whatever choices you make or even to temptation. Unable to control your urges. The world says, give in to your urges. Jesus says, I've come to set you free from your fleshly urges. I've come to awaken a whole new set of desires in you. Being critical of others. Being desperate for uh, approval of other people. Fear of what others think. All of that, none of that is what you and I were called to live in. And I'm not here to condemn you for having any of that. I am here with the message today that says Jesus has come to free you from these things. Amen? The world likes to think of these things as this having nothing to do with this. They say things like this are psychological, emotional, mental, or even physical. But the world today will not say the one word that they know that they don't know. But God knows it's true. They are also spiritual issues. These are spiritual issues. And therefore there is spiritual relief for them. There is help in them. So we must be careful 
that we don't look at a list like this, which I'm gonna say again, is not comprehensive by any means. There are so many other things. But let me say to you this morning, let's not be like our Jewish friends we saw in the passage here that say, how can you say we've never been free? Don't let your own pride make you look at this list and say, oh, I can't believe you would say I don't have enough faith that these things in my life are evidence I don't have enough faith. Let's not be like our Jewish believing friends here because Jesus goes on and says something to them next. Verse 34, it says that Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for that. It's good. What Jesus is saying here is not just if you commit sin one time, the word usage here in the original language really has to do more with if you are controlled by, if you're held by. If you are controlled by sin, then you are a slave to it. If it won't let you be free, then you're controlled by it. So if whatever your sin or syndrome is, demands you give in to it, you're a slave to it. If it yells and you jump, you're a slave to it. If you can't stop, you're a slave to it. If you find yourself defending it to other people, you're a slave to it. If it keeps you from enjoying peace with God, you're a slave to it. If it pulls you further away from God, you're a slave to it. If, you, if it keeps you from doing what God has called you to do, then you're a slave to it. If it keeps you from knowing real freedom and if it keeps you down and defeated, then you're a slave to it. And my friends, we have not been called to slavery. We have been set free by Jesus Christ. And he intends for us to walk in that and be completely free walking in him. And Jesus goes on and he says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Jesus was saying, slaves in the house, they're there because of fear. Slaves are controlled by the master. Slaves are, they have no freedom. Jesus said, slavery is not your destiny. You have been brought into the house. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have been set free. So don't let anyone, I don't care who they are, if it's that voice in your head or that person that you know or that TV show you watch, or that podcast you follow, or that friend at work, or that person with some certificates on the wall, don't let any of them tell you your slavery is now your identity. You're always gonna have this, you're never gonna be free from it. Don't let them give you a title that says this is forever who you are. Don't let them call you that as your identity and don't ever own that. You have been set free in Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't own or identify with your sin or your syndrome. They want to tell you, oh, you can't leave. They want to tell you you can't be free. 
They want to tell you you are your past. They want to tell you you are your guilt. They want to tell you you'll never know love. You'll never know peace. You know, they want to tell you you're worthless. They want to tell you you don't have power. They want to tell you that you're always going to be a slave. But if you've come to Jesus Christ, let me remind you of some things. You're no longer a slave outside the house. You are a son and a daughter who've been brought into the house. You are made to know freedom. It is in your spiritual DNA. You sense it within you. I was made to know freedom. As a son and daughter of the Father, you will never be cast out of the family. Your birthright is your confidence. You are meant to be free. You're made to walk in peace. You're made to walk conquering. You're made to walk with purpose. You're made to walk knowing you will be victorious. You're made to walk in the words of Jesus. You're made to walk silencing the enemy's voice. You're made to walk free because this is who we are. And this is why Jesus would say at the end of our passage today, he would say this, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, if you have come to the point of knowing Jesus, then he is insistent, determined on making you be more free. More free and more free. The version of you that you sit with today, he wants to help you move past. He wants to move you forward. Oh, he loves you and accepts you into the kingdom. But now begins the process of becoming more and more free. So I want to show you the list one more time. Not to scare you. Not to frighten you. Not to condemn you. But to remind you, this is not you. This may be where you have walked this may be where you fight. This may be what you are looking to overcome. But these are not you. Don't wear the label. Don't wear the letters that somebody wants to give you that define you as this. Define yourself as a child of God destined and determined to be free. Amen? And then let's agree together. You have been made to be set free from more than you know. If we can begin with that today, then God will use these next weeks and months to bring you to places of freedom you've never known before. But if this morning you're stuck in, well, I can't believe you would suggest that I don't have enough faith. guarantee freedom for you ahead because Jesus said here's what my followers do they abide in my word so can we agree together there is more that he has made us for to be free amen let's bow our heads together and pray father I thank you 
that you saw us in our sin and our guilt and our shame. You saw us in our prison. You saw us held captive and you sent your son to free us. I thank you that the moment we believe by faith and confess you with our mouth, you set us free. We were given access to heaven. We were given an eternity with you. We were sealed. We were secured. We've been brought into the family and nothing can change that. But now, Father, I pray you would help us to walk in even greater freedom. That we would acknowledge this morning that you have more for us. Whether we've walked one year or 40 years in the faith, you still have more for us. So we will abide in your word. We will listen and obey. And as a result, we will be more free. And we're grateful for that in Jesus' name. Amen.